We're going to dive into the word today. Uh, as we get ready to do that, just want to encourage you to continue to give uh, your tithes and your offering. Remember, that's an expression of worship. It's not something that we do whether we're gathered together or not gathered together. That has nothing to do with it. It's our offering unto the Lord saying, God, what you have given me belongs to you. And so when we give our tithes and our offering, it's that surrendering back to God what ultimately came from him and belongs to him. So just encourage you to do that. You can give online. You can text to give. There's lots of different ways you can do that, but do that. So we're going to rally around the word because we believe that God's word is so critically important to us that it shapes our lives, that it's the reliable truth that we have, the only reliable truth that we have. And so we, we really have a high value on the word of God and shaping our lives. And so today we're going to enter into kind of a new series, beginning to think about how our words matter and how our speech and what comes out of our mouth really makes a difference. And so we're going to dive into that today. There is this phrase that you probably remember from your childhood, and I know that I do, that sticks and stones may break my bones. And if you were here, you would say, but words will never hurt me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I can remember like as a kid, specifically like being in like a gym class and like a, a group of kids chanting that at another group of kids who were like saying something mean. And, and it sounded like at the time, like something so profound, <laughs> like to, to me, like we were saying something as just kind of like, yeah, you can't hurt me. It doesn't matter what you say. Like, you know, sticks and stones can break my bones, but what you're saying, that actually has no effect on me. And the funny thing is the older that I get, the more I realize how ridiculous that saying is. Actually, words have the inc this incredible power to harm or to build up, to hurt or to heal. No, the older I get, the more I realize the incredible power of my words or the words of other people in my life. I mean, I've got scars and, and I broke bones as a kid. And yeah, there's sometimes like a little maybe arthritic kind of like feeling there. or I can see scars on my hands and that kind of stuff. But actually the wounds that have come through words over the course of my life, those have been a lot harder to heal from in my life. It's actually a really kind of ridiculous statement to, to say that like words can never hurt me because words are actually really powerful. Actually, if you took a minute and you just think on your own history and your own past, I wonder if you could immediately, some of you probably could do this just right away, immediately recall someone or a situation that, that where someone said something to you and it was very hurtful. It was like kind of like a, like a barb that kind of stuck in you that's been hard to remove. It's left its mark on you. And maybe that person or what was said that wasn't intended to hurt, but it hurt anyway. And it's something that's had a lasting effect. It's actually become the way that you have perceived yourself. Maybe you've even worked really hard in counseling or in inner healing prayer to try to work through this stuff because you feel like there's this, this thing that you believe about yourself that you're afraid other people believe about you because it's traced back to something that someone said. Words are really powerful. They can be extremely hurtful. Maybe it's something you said in a moment uh, of anger or frustration. Maybe it's something you said even this week to a kid or to your spouse or to uh, someone on your phone. I mean, gosh, the amount of times I have to hold my tongue when I'm on the phone, like on hold, like getting frustrated because I feel like I'm getting pushed off. Oh man, it's, it's so hard. Well, maybe like you've said some things in your life. I know I have. I've been hurtful to other people. 
Maybe it made you feel good in the moment to kind of say something. You know, when you're really frustrated with somebody and it feels really good just to say what's on your mind, you speak your mind, but really you release something into that person, into the atmosphere that can't be taken back. It can be really hurtful, even if it makes us feel good in the moment. Or maybe... When you think about words, actually something more positive comes to mind. Maybe you think about something inspirational that happened. Someone who came along and spoke words of truth that were affirming of you, that built you up in some way, that said, this is who you are. This is some great thing about you and, and, and built you up. The, the right word at the right moment can be really, really powerful in, 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 in a positive way. I remember in, in being a, a middle school, I was playing football, and uh, I had just found out that my mom had cancer and she was sick and I was just, uh, I, I was just in my head about it, like as, as a kid. And I was really just kind of struggling. And, and I had a football coach. He knew I was struggling and, and, and somehow he had the insight to know that I didn't need him to be soft with me in that moment, come and give me a hug. I actually needed him to pull me out of where I was. That's not what I needed all the time, but in that moment, that's what I did. He spoke some words of affirmation over me about what he thought I could do and, and, and challenging me to rise up. And that was exactly what I needed in that moment. It actually ushered in healing. And it was somebody who wasn't even a believer. He believed in me. It was just words of affirmation that I needed in, in a moment. It was really healing to me. The words, the, the truth is that the words that we speak have immense power. The Proverbs, the, the book of Proverbs says this, in this book of wisdom in, verse, uh, in chapter 18, verse 25, it says, the tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. The words that come, the, the speech that comes out of our mouth are life or death. It's almost like, they're black and white. They can go this way or they can go this way. There's very little gray area. Our words actually can, can either bring healing or they can bring hurt. And actually, if you go back to our origin story in the book of Genesis in the first couple of chapters, we see right away the power that our words are meant to have. So in the first pages of the Bible, we have God who speaks and things are created. He brings ordered creation out of disordered chaos. That's the picture we get in the first couple chapters of Genesis. By his very word, things are brought into existence by his speech. It's highlighting the power of God's word. But then just a couple chapters later, humanity is placed in the, in the garden and we're, we're given this incredible amount of responsibility and authority to, bring, to continue to partner with God and bringing order to creation. And God does this amazing thing. He brings animals before, uh, before the human beings. And he gives them the responsibility of naming those animals. And it actually says that God watched to see what Adam would name the animals. And that's more than just an interesting fact in the story. That's there for a purpose. Because in the biblical world, to name something is to have power over something. To name something means that I have authority over something. Actually, to, to give someone a name is actually to place a blessing or a potential curse onto something in the biblical worldview. So when you would name a child, you would be very specific about the name that you would want a child to have because that would uh, in some ways dictate the way that that child would be perceived by the people around him. It was releasing a blessing over the child or a curse. This child is a deceiver as in one biblical character. 
the power of us naming something, God was acknowledging something in us that we were given a creative kind of uh, power with him, that we were like co-creators, partners in his creation by naming things. He has given us this incredible power in our words to exercise some kind of authority here on earth. Maybe you've never thought about it that way, but there's power of life and death in our tongue. We see it right there in the garden. As a matter of fact, there are very few things in the Bible, throughout the history of the Bible, that are uh, accomplished either by God speaking or by humans speaking. We see the power of God, and you go back to this famous story, we'll unpack this maybe later, about Ezekiel speaking to the dry bones and them coming to life. It's in our speech that releases power. Over and over again, when God speaks or when we speak, there is life and death, there's blessing and curse, there's healing and there's hurt. James, uh, in the New Testament, is his small little letter, James is the brother of Jesus, so he spent a lot of time with Jesus. And here's, he has probably the, the longest uh, or most concentrated focus on this importance of our speech. Here is what James has to say. He says, we all stumble in many ways. And anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect or they're mature. They're able to keep their whole body in check. So there's something about the ability to control what comes out of our mouth that actually has some control over all of us. He says this, uh, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships for an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire. And it, it is set on fire. It is itself set on fire by hell. That's like harsh words from the brother of Jesus. He goes on to say, all animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Get in the picture. This is not a good portrait of our words. Then he says, with our tongue, we praise the Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. He's, he's trying to point out attention here. How is it that we can praise God, but then curse human beings who are made in the image of God? Out of the same mouth comes both praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or grape vine bear figs? Neither can a spring produce, a salt spring produce fresh water. He is making this big kind of sweeping point about how influential it is, what comes out of our mouth and how revealing it is what comes out of our mouth. And the tongue here, he's obviously connecting with the words, the speech, the things that come out of our mouth. And so I just want to break this down just really briefly. We're not going to go into all the details here, but, but just a few things I want to highlight for us to kind of set up the next couple weeks of our series. So here's the first thing. The, the tongue is a small thing with huge influence. So it's a small thing 
with huge influence. Like I've already said, we have the power with our mouth to either bless God, bring glory to God, um, to the power to bring forth life, or the power to curse and to bring death. And James uses a couple different metaphors to, to explain this. They're, they're all really unique, but I like this one that he says about fire. It says that a small spark of fire can set a great forest on fire. If you think about it, a spark or a small flame has both this incredible power of destruction, but also this incredible power of healing. So a spark, the same spark, can actually light a house on fire. Or that same spark can actually, or a flame, can actually start a forest fire. So remember way back before this whole pandemic thing started back in 2020, remember the, like the entire continent of Australia was on fire. I don't know if you can remember that far back, but it was a really big deal. You could see from outer space the damage that the, that the fires were having in Australia. And fire has this incredible power to destroy anything that's in its path, to consume anything that's in its path. But fire also has this incredible power to bring healing and life. That same spark that can burn down a forest or burn down a house is the same spark that can bring you warmth when it's cold. It's the same spark that can start a fire that can cook the food that you can consume for your energy and your sustenance. It's the same spark and fire that's there that powers the engine that's in your car, that heats the water that's in your home so you can have a warm bath. And, and, and the, the issue isn't whether fire or the spark is good or bad. It's what is done with that spark or with that fire. It can either bring healing or it can either bring hurt. It can destroy or it can build up. It can bring life or it can bring death. That's the nature of fire. Actually, if you want to get a good picture of this and the series alone that I know many of you like to watch as well, you'll see how desperate people are to start fire and to make sure that they have fire in order to stay warm or to have food when they're out in cold in the elements. But you can also see the destructive power of fire because you have people who are in these wood huts that the wrong spark can burn the whole thing down and that actually does happen in the series. Power is in the tongue for life and death, even though it's really small. Now, it's pretty easy, I think, to see how our words can hurt other people. We're going to explore a little bit about that uh, soon, but, but that's a, it's a fairly easy idea. We understand that when we say things, it can hurt people. That we can say things that maybe even build up people. Now, it, just because we know that doesn't mean we do the right thing. Just because we know that we shouldn't say things that hurt people, doesn't mean that we don't do it. Actually, we do it all the time. But it's a little bit more tricky to, to see how our words actually hurt us. How what comes out of our mouth actually has the same kind of harmful effect on ourself. That they have, the words have the power to hurt or the power to heal in us. Here's one thing concept I think is important to think about. Too many words actually leads the door open, leaves the door open to sin. Here's what Proverbs has to say about this. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. If there ever was a clear Bible verse about what you should do, like sometimes you read the Bible, it's like, I don't know what this is saying. This one's really clear. When you talk too much, it opens this door to sin. So be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Well, how does that happen? Uh, well, if 
You know, there's a tendency when we begin to kind of talk too much that we begin sometimes to embellish stories. Or we change a little detail here, change a little bit of detail here. And when we do that, there's a word for that. It's called lying. <laughs> we don't think about it that way, but we're actually beginning to flesh out something that started out true, all of a sudden ends up not being true. And usually the more words that we say, the more opportunity there is for us to fill in a story or whatever it is that we're saying, our side of the story with things that aren't necessarily true. And so a lot of words usually opens yourself up to the opportunity for sin. Another way that this often happens is by simply boasting, by saying a lot about yourself to kind of build yourself up. And usually when we do that, it's not just building ourselves up. We're actually trying to make ourselves seem better than other people by telling whatever the facts are, the story is that we have about ourselves. We're actually pushing other people down. We're doing the one-upmanship, you know, kind of thing. And the truth is that that's hurtful <laughs> to, to put other people in their place by telling a better story. And maybe this is, you know, my, my time I spend with, with guys and I see this a lot. We're, we're constantly telling stories. It's not always like that we're trying to one up each other's story, but every once in a while it feels like that's the case. As a matter of fact, just a few months ago, I was in an environment hanging out with a couple guys and uh, uh, there, a story came up about a bear. And uh, it was a cool story. And then somebody else shared a story about an encounter they had with a bear. And the truth is, I have a really awesome story about having in this encounter with a black bear in Canada. And I was like, I was ready to tell my story. And I just felt this little like tap on the shoulder from the Holy Spirit said, don't tell your story. I was like, okay, that seems weird. Why? And I just felt like if I did... I was trying to make my story sound better than the other person's story. And if I do that, I'm trying to make myself look better than the other person. Now, again, that's not all the time. We're not always doing it. Sometimes we're just swapping stories, but it's so easy to, to kind of fall into this trap. And the more we say, the more opportunity there is for sin. Have you ever told, we, we don't think about this, but have you ever told a lie Maybe one that you didn't set out to, and to do, but you got kind of backed into a corner and the more you talked, the more you found yourself telling a lie. Well, not only is that harmful to you because it's sin, but usually if, if this has been your experience, it's been mine, especially when I was little, that man, that lie would eat at me. I would feel so exposed. I would feel like this, someone's going to find me out. Someone's going to know. And that actually has a really harmful effect on this. You know, God's ways and his word and the way he's trying to direct us, even when it's counter to what we think we feel and what we want, it's always for our good. God is never telling you no to something just to, to, because he wants to make it hard on you. If he tells you no to something like, Chael, don't share your story, there's actually something really good for you in that, even if you can't discover so us telling the truth and us not embellishing on our stories actually is something good for us, not just good for other people. So we've got to be careful that we're not saying too much because when we start to say too much, we're going to step into sin and that's harmful for ourselves. Also, here's the other side of that. Uh, our words are harmful, harmful or healing, but in this instance, I'm focusing in on the harmful because they have the same effect on us when they come out of our mouth as they do on someone else. So when we say something that's harmful to another person, something that's hurtful, we yell or we condemn in some kind of way, 
it actually produces all kinds of things neurologically in people that is like that is, that's so harmful to people's mental health and self uh, understanding their view of who they are their view of who God, all of that can be affected by, by our speech. Actually, you can watch, and scientists do this, where they hook up you know, different ways to study the brain, and they can see different parts of the brain firing and how all this is going to happen, and they can see how people respond to negative speech. And the same is true in us when we speak negatively of ourselves, when we speak a harmful thing. So I'm in the habit, it's a bad habit that I'm trying to break of like, when I do something, you know, that's kind of like silly or goofy, I spill or be like, ah, you idiot. What I don't know is that's actually triggering when I say those words out loud in my brain and in my heart, the same thing it does if I was to say to another person, you are an idiot. I would never say that to another person, or at least I would try my best not to. I know that that's wrong, but I'm not as guarded with myself. I'll say all kinds of terrible things that come out of my mouth about myself. And the thing is, if you do that enough, you start to believe those things that come out of your mouth. So the things that I say positively or negatively that come out of my mouth, they actually have a harmful effect on me. Actually, this can happen with all different kinds of things. You know, uh, this last year, I know so many of us were like so tired of being on Zoom, uh, so tired of doing things online. And here's the thing that I found, that the more I talked about how I hated being on Zoom, the more I hated being on Zoom. The, the more I talked about how this stinks and I don't want to do this anymore and this is terrible, the, the less I wanted to do it and the less I wanted to press through. But if instead I shifted my speech to say, God, I thank you for this opportunity to meet. This is not what I prefer, but I'm thankful that you've given this to me and I'm thankful for this kind of connection. And I actually said it out loud. It was like something starting to happen in my mind and my heart. I began to see that differently because what comes out of our mouth has this effect on us. It's not just what we think. It's actually also what we say. I think that sometimes we, we maybe are more keyed into the power of our thoughts and our kind of our, our self-talk and all of that is really important. But here's what I know. If, if it's coming out of your mouth, it has been in your head or your heart for a while. We're going to say more about that in just a second. Now, here's the deal. We all have a problem with this. James says, I love how he starts out this. We all stumble in many ways. And if the person doesn't struggle with this, he says, then that person is perfect. That, that person is mature. He's setting us up to say, look, y'all, every single one of us, we need a lot of grace here because we're all going to stumble in it. There is no way to avoid this, man. And if that's not the truth with this, I don't know any human being who has ever lived other than Jesus, whose speech has been perfect every time who has always said the right and true thing in the moment that needed to be said. I just don't know any. I know myself and I know what's going on in my heart. I know what comes out of my mouth. And I know I've got a lot of room to grow. So here's what I want you to know, that there's just an abundant amount of grace here. Again, more on that in just a second. He, he says, look, we have 
try, we have tried to tame all these other kinds of beasts. And he lists reptiles and birds and all these things that human beings have tried to tame. Like we've been able to do this. We've been able to domesticate. Look, we have dogs that live in our houses. We've got reptiles that live in our, like, so, so we've domesticated everything. But one thing that can't be tamed and domesticated is the human tongue. He's saying, look, we, the truth is we lack a lot of control in this area. That's what James is saying to us. So what that means is there is lots and lots of grace for us. That right now, if you have been listening and you have been beating yourself up because of something that you said to your kids or your spouse or something that you said to a passerby or some a grocery store clerk, stop it now. Stop it. <laughs> That's not God's heart for you. It's to sit and wallow in that in this moment. There is tons and tons of grace here. But grace does not mean permission to continue. So there's grace. But grace does not mean per permission to continue. When God has grace for us, he shows us grace and he says, look, I love you and I accept you as you are. It does not mean I want you to keep doing what you're doing. Actually, when, when there's a gracious statement in the Bible like this, we all stumble. Oh my gosh. So thank you, James, that you said that. But then he goes on to show us a different way. So whenever we need God's grace and we recognize that need for God's grace, it's an invitation to surrender. We're, we're, we can admit, yeah, we all struggle with this. We all have a hard time saying things that are life-giving to other people. We all struggle taming our tongue. And so it's almost like he's saying, look, you don't got this. I know that you think that you will, and I know that you want to get better at this, but this is not something that you can do on your own. You don't got this. And so instead of you trying to do this on your own, I think the invitation that James would kind of say is like, okay, so if that's the case, it's time to surrender to Jesus in this area to allow God to work in our lives in a way that changes our lives so that what comes out of our mouth is a product of his work in us and not us being in a good mood. Because it's easy to say things when we're in a good mood. It's easy to, to speak positive speech and to build others up when things are going really well for us. What comes out of what's really inside of us when we're pressed, when we're stressed, when, we're, when someone is attacking us, what comes out when we're being attacked? Does life and healing and hope come out of our mouths? Does forgiveness and a restoration, is that what comes out of our mouths or condemnation and hurt and healing? When we're hurt, do we hurt? Most of the time, yes, but God wants to teach us a different way. And why is this the case? Why do we need to invite God? Why do we need to surrender here? Well, because what comes out of our mouth is ultimately a product of what's in our heart. What comes out of our mouth is ultimately a product of what's in our heart. Here's what Jesus had to say. The brother, uh, Jesus, James is Jesus' brother. And so he, he knows what Jesus had to say about this. So it sounds eerily familiar. Here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. A good man brings the good things out of the good stored up in his heart. A good man brings the good things out of the good that's stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings out the evil things out of the evil that's stored up in his heart. For out of the mouth, for, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That's that last line. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So when good comes out of our mouths, it's because there's been good stored up there. When evil or destructive words come out of our mouth, it's because there has been 
evil stored up there. And so the brother of Jesus is saying essentially the same thing of Jesus. Like, look, this is just in you. It's fruit. That's, that's, that's what's coming out of your mouth. It's the fruit of what's inside of you. It's a sign of who you really are. And so what's inside of us? Well, even if you're a follower of Jesus, there, while you have been redeemed and you are objectively a saint in God's eyes, we still have warring motives inside of us. We still oftentimes uh, have a desire to both, uh, to both build up people around us and to, to see life brought to them, but then we also have this desire to protect ourselves and preserve ourselves. That's why we say some of the hurtful things that we do to the people around us or to bring other people down because we've got this self-preservation thing that's so Im- embedded into us. And so the truth is that while God has given us a new heart, we've got old patterns of thinking. And there's a, a way for us to, to step into the new life that Jesus has gotten for us, but in all of us is usually this mix of motives, this mix of desires. So it would make sense that good would come out of us sometime and evil would come out of us sometime. We have these mixed motives and these mixed desires. So if we want to be attentive and, and, and really recognize this power that God has given us in our speech to, to speak life and to speak death, to, to release life or to release death, then we ultimately need to attend to what's in our hearts. We've got to purify our thoughts and our intentions so that what comes out of us in that moment of pressure when we're being attacked is actually love instead of hate. There's peace instead of anger or violence. What we want is the character of Jesus to come out in these moments. We want the fruit of the Holy Spirit to be the thing that's on display. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. We want those to be the things that are inside of us that come out of us. So we've got to yield here to the work of the Holy Spirit to produce that fruit in us. And how we do that exactly is a little bit of a topic for another day, but let me just give you a couple things. First of all, we've got to know what God's word says, because we're formed by the word of God. We got to understand what does God say about my heart and the way of the world? What What does God say about who he is? What does God say is true about me? We've got to be anchored in the word of God. We're transformed by the word, but we're also transformed by the spirit. There's this mysterious kind of work that God does in us by our surrender to him that we don't get to take any credit for. We find ourselves uh, as we kind of in, apply the word of God to our life and study God's word, surrendering our life over to him and saying, God, just help me to be like this, do this work. And I can't tell you how many people I've talked to through the years that say, gosh, I'm just a less angry person than I used to be. I'm a less fearful person than I used to be. And we'd ask, hey, what was it that you did? And maybe they would say, well, I went to counseling or maybe these kinds of things. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of times they would, they would look back and just say, you know what? God has just changed me over time. So I think we're, we're, we're formed our, on our inside by the word. We're formed by the spirit. But we're also formed by certain practices that we do that, that actually bring the word and the spirit together. We're, we're formed by, by, by being proactive in this process of joining what it is that God wants to do in my heart and in my life. 
And that leads me kind of to this last point that our words, uh, that words that we speak not only have destructive power, but they actually have healing power for us as well. Not just for other people, but for us. That when we confess with our mouth what God says is true about us, that it actually has the power to change us. Not in a weird, spooky, kind of new agey kind of way, but that when we agree with what God says is true, that it actually has the power to change our minds and our hearts. Like Ezekiel, uh, when he speaks to those dry bones, he's speaking what God has told him to, to speak and it brings life. And when we speak God's word over us, when we confess what is true, not just think what's true, but confess what is true, Actually, it has this incredible power to change us. For, for me in my life, I, I remember specifically a, a, um, a season of life where I was really struggling with believing uh, in my identity, uh, believing what God has say, said is true about me. I was kind of feeling like tossed around a lot by, by different ideas and my performance at work and uh, how I was being a, a husband and how I was being a dad. And so a friend of mine just recommended that I wake up every day and that I spent time just confessing with my mouth what God says is true about me. And I did this in a couple different ways. Uh, sometimes it was confessing a few scriptures. Sometimes it was just a simple prayer that sounded like, uh, God, before I do anything today, your word says that I am your son and that I am loved by you and that you will never leave me and never forsake me. And I believe it. Amen. I would literally say that out loud or something like that. And I did that over the course of a year. It might have even been two years. And over the course of that year, a couple years, I actually began to believe what I was saying out loud with my mouth. There is power in confession. There's power in confession and saying something out loud. It has the shape. It affects us in ways that just thinking our thoughts don't necessarily. I love what uh, Stephanie Gretzinger one time, a worship artist, said. We, we, we went to go see her in concert one time, and she said, sometimes we sing something because we believe something. But sometimes we sing something until we believe it. Sometimes we sing it like because we believe it, but then sometimes we, we sing it until we believe it. Because it's the power of confession, that the power of saying something out loud. I think this is what ha is happening in the Psalms when we read these beautiful poems of someone in distress and lament, uh, frustrated and wondering, God, where are you in the middle of it? Well, it's not like their situation changed probably in the middle of writing the Psalm, but there's this declaration that says, you know what? I know that this is true, even if it's not what I feel right now. So I'm going to write it down for all of the world to know forever. There's power in our confession, power in our confession. I have found that to be true so many times in the middle of a situation, just like I, I talked about last week where I'm confused and I don't know what's going on to say, I don't know about all of this, but here's the one thing I know, Jesus, you have the words of life and I'm not going anywhere. There are just times in life where we can't be wishy-washy about that, where we have to draw a line in the sand and say, God, I believe in what is true about you. And when we confess that, it actually has the power to change something in our hearts. Sometimes we say it confidently because we believe it so confidently. And then sometimes we're just eking it out because it's all we've got left. God, all I know is that you 
are my constant. All I know is that you love me. All I know is that I'm forgiven. All I know is that if I would die today, I would be in heaven with you. All I know is that you've taken care of my family. All I know, and you just confess those things out loud. And I would say with, re with repetition, it changes our heart. So here's what I want you to do in response. This week, I want you to do a little inventory. And take some time each day at the end of your day and just reflect back. And I want you to think about what you said. Did the things that come out of your mouth, were they for building up or were they for tearing down? Were they life-giving or did they somehow bring death? Were they blessing or their curse? In your interactions with yourself, with the people in your home, with the people you work with, the people you know, what did your speech sound like? Was it life or was it death? Was it blessing or was it curse? Just do a little bit of inventory. Not to judge it and to feel bad, but just to take a little bit of stock. To see what you think uh, it has sounded like. And then I want you to do this. I want you to pick a verse or a phrase or an idea from scripture. And I want you to take some, it's got to be simple enough that you can repeat it. And I want you to repeat it every day in your prayer time. Confess it out loud with your mouth. Jesus, I believe that I am fully forgiven by you. It could be that. Or God, I believe that you, you want to heal this area of brokenness in my life. I just want you to say it out loud. And again, this is not about kind of a new age self-help kind of thing. This is agreeing with what God says is true. You cannot afford to have a different opinion and different words coming out of your mouth than what he's, his opinion is and what he says. So I want to agree with what he says. I want that to come out of my mouth. And I want that for you this week. And let's see how God grows us together, how he changes us almost from the inside out and the outside in as we use our words to bring life instead of death, to bring blessing instead of curse. Let's see how God will form us this week. Have a great week.